With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There are two chords on the guitar. Watch me play my two chords. And change. And change. And change. (laughs) All right. You don't know that. You don't know that. Don't be a hater. Don't start the show off being a hater. You're better than that. Two observations. I saw two chords, and I think he was giving us the finger. Oh, well, maybe. My first observation was, are we watching a knockoff of Forgetting Sarah Marshall? That's what I thought we were watching. I mean, holy cow. I mean, that's hilarious. He's obviously uh, comfortable in Hawaii, having a good time, sending out plenty of social media content out there, Aaron Rodgers, why OTAs is going on and all that. So good for him. Happy for him. <laughs> so would it be forgetting Mark Murphy or forgetting Brian Gutekunst? <laughs> yeah, for both. Good. I think it's forgetting. Yeah, you're right. I think it's both, right? Pro- probably forgetting Mark Murphy. But uh, there's a good picture there. Look. He's he's sucking it in, making look, making sure the abs and the six pack look he's, good right there. He's not sucking it in. He's <laughs> lost fifteen pounds. <laughs> I know. That's not. Are are you suggesting the scene from Caddyshack? It's another Caddyshack reference <laughs> when the three guys in the pool all suck it in. Is Ex- that what those two I, were doing? I think so. I do. Yes, yes. By not that he's fat or anything like that. By evidence of this, though, that picture right there, that last one looks like it was sucking it in a little bit. So. Uh, I am a little like shocked that he's getting like all this dad bods type stuff. I don't know. That's a little bit better than a dad bod. I think Aaron Rodgers has. I don't know what dads everybody else in America wait, is looking wait at. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if we're gonna say quarterback dad bod, it begins and ends with Tom Brady for crying out loud. <laughs> well, I know. Just people. Wasn't there a picture of him right. in the past couple of years at the beach? And it was like, what the hell? This guy's a professional athlete. <laughs> I, not not that much different, frankly, from how he looked when he was standing there in his boxers at the combine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, it's a position that muscles do not dictate how good you are at that position 
You just want to be athletic, loose, limber, you know, have your joints be real flexible so you can really throw the football from any angle and it, you know, almost be a slingshot that way. That's what a quarterback tries to kind of build their body for. I'd say he's definitely loose and limber, right? (laughs) Not due to any exercises, frankly, based on his time in in Hawaii. By the way, that's Miles Teller with Aaron Rodgers. Miles Teller from Whiplash, one of the all-time great movies. Recently watched it again for the first time in years. Had forgotten a lot of it. I don't know why. Maybe I was loose and limber the night that I watched it the first time. It is awesome. Great movie. It is inspiring even though the methods of the 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 villain in the film are questionable and would not be acceptable in today's society they drew something out of his character miles teller's character in the in the movie if you haven't seen it go see it it's about seven years old already but excellent jk simmons won best supporting actor oscar for his role and deserved it because it was very well done all right let's get into the program it's pft live Four-day weekend edition for Christopher Davis. Not only does he have Friday off, he's also telling us he's not going to be here Monday when the rest of us are. Oh, That's fine if that's how you want to be. You're full of it. You're not really going to be here Monday, are you? I'll be here, well, whether I, anyone else is. Okay. Different issue, I mean, we but I'll know be you'll be there at 7 a.m. The, the show is built around you and your house in West Virginia, okay? We know you'll be there, but... No, like literally, you're not really having a show. I don't even know that. I just know I'm not working on Monday. Listen, half the time they leave my lights on anyway, so what the hell? I'll just come sit here and pretend we got a show and just talk for two hours. Good. Do something. It'll be as impactful as it is any other day. I'm sure your family will be glad to get rid of you for two hours. That's fine. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's get into the news. And and here's the news. And and it's funny because we're at the point where – and I, I don't mind the interaction for the most part. I, I get some friendly emails, plenty of friendly emails. We love the folks in the UK and Ireland that love us. And the, the trolls don't come from there. The trolls are domestic. The imports are very nice and very friendly, and they are very concerned about us and when the show is going to be on and when it moves around and why does it move around and why do you let them do that like we have any say. But... I have gotten some emails from folks saying, why do you keep talking about Aaron Rodgers? Well, because there are things to talk about. We didn't tell him to go on SportsCenter on Monday night. What are we going to do? Not talk about what he said on SportsCenter to Kenny Mayne? Just right. ignore it? Act we like it didn't happen? From and, then, and then Matt LaFleur speaks to reporters about Aaron Rodgers. And we're not supposed to talk about that. We're just supposed to act like it didn't happen. So... Yesterday's news that we must talk about today is that coming July 6th, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers will be golfing with Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau, respectively. I think it's the first time I ever said the guy's name. I don't watch much golf, but I've, I've seen that he's a guy that, like the other golfers, would like to go punch in the face. But it does seem that way. Because he'll pick them up and throw them through a wall. Those four are going to square off on July 6th. And as Tom Brady pointed out on Instagram, two champions versus a scientist and a Jeopardy host. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Brady was on fire yesterday. He was on fire. I don't hey, know. I don't know listen. if he's directly doing it, but it was very done, very well done. Brady's Brady is going to be on the list. Brady's going to get himself on the Aaron Rodgers it list. And you know the it list, the one that starts with the S and the H. He's going to end up there. Look at this. 
We better get used to laying up because we know Aaron <laughs> Rodgers isn't going for it. Are you kidding me, <laughs> Tom? Awesome. I love it. That really was. I love it. <laughs> really good. I like this, too. It's a good meme here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bryson, happy to be here. And that's the Brooks Kepka meme where Brooks Kepka like, was completely irritated and lost his train of thought because DeChambeau walked behind him. Aaron realizing he has to spend the whole day with Bryson so uh, very well done by the people Tom Brady pays good money to to make him look relatable this this is the one this is the one because we know this is a sore spot for Aaron Rodgers of course so Aaron Especially Rodgers is Aaron Kepka I, yeah. in the meme <laughs> and, and DeChambeau is the Packers kicking a field goal on fourth down so uh and, and that obviously is a reference to the fact that Late in the NFC Championship, the Packers could have tried to tie <laughs> the good. game up. They kicked the field goal on fourth down. And uh, and then people who act like Tom Brady produces his own Twitter content uh, and me. That, <laughs> good job, Doug, Doug Kyed yeah, posted good. that. And, and, and that's the thing. No one really believes that Tom Brady is sitting there thinking, this is what I'm going to – hey, Giselle, come here. What do you think of this? Giselle, check this out. Look what I made. Hey, Giselle, hey, hey kids, check this out. There's Team TB12 that's out there so. making this stuff. There's got to be. Yeah. There's got to be. I, if I, I had that guy's money, I wouldn't be making my own social media stuff. That's for damn sure. No, I agreed. He's got he's got good teammates. Uh, that's kind of been a theme of his career. Uh, that was a good one, right? Uh, but either way, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's got a team. I would think at least like, hey, they give him he gives them the green light, right? Like where he's like, oh, yeah, let's have fun with this. Sure. And maybe he gets to approve like each, you know, Instagram or Twitter message that goes out there before it flies into the social universe. I would think that's kind of how it goes down. But either way, whoever's running it, I mean, they've really been kicking butt for like the last two years. Uh, they're very creative. Do you do that? Yes. When people make your tweets, do you get involved? Do you say up or down, yes or no? Or do you just let them go? No, I, I do. That's exactly how it goes down. If I'm not directly involved, which I'm definitely not right now because of my quarterback rankings and I don't feel like getting fired this week or anything over arguing with some 37-year-old who's living in the basement with his mom telling me I'm wrong about quarterbacks. So i not looking. And, yes, that's where Pete Dimalitalitalitis comes into very handy because he kind of manages it for me and we work as a team for what we send out there yes so that's a big big part of my life right now <laughs> I, I have heard some <laughs> stories about tweets that you fired off I when did. you got upset yes with, with the trolls and they had to <laughs> mobilize them. quickly swarm <laughs> yeah. swarm delete, swarm delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> yes. all right uh more on Aaron Rodgers, and again, not because we want to talk about it, but because there's news to be shared. There's a quarterback out there who can relate to what's happened to Aaron Rodgers and who has every right to be upset about what happened with him, Alex Smith, when he was supplanted by Patrick Mahomes. Exactly the same scenario. A, not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but a consistent playoff quarterback, a guy who was among the better quarterbacks in the game. Not among the best, but among the better. Right. Alex Smith, the Chiefs quarterback, the Chiefs trade up in 2017 to make Mahomes the 10th overall pick. A year later, it's see you later, Alex Smith. Here is Alex Smith on The Herd with Colin Cowherd talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. Surprise. It's inexcusable. It's absolutely in it, I, I think. What do you mean? How they ever got to this point. I mean, Aaron's been there 16 years, what he's given to that organization and been there 
And for them, I think to, to what happened last year during the draft and, and, and I haven't talked to Aaron about this, so I don't want to like put words in his mouth, but clearly to watch the interview and him talk about, it, it's about the people and it is. And Aaron's been there that long. And I don't think it was the fact that they drafted Jordan love in the first round. I mean, I think it's the fact that you just, how, how do you have a guy like Aaron and you don't go make sure beforehand you aren't going out of your way to make sure that he knows that he's loved, that they want him there that we may be taking a quarterback in the first round. We want to make sure you're okay with it. This is maybe what we're doing. We're thinking. Did Kansas City give you a heads up on Mahomes? Yes, without a doubt. With 100%. And there you go. There and, you go. Yeah, and, and we've said all along, Aaron Rodgers has every right to be upset with the Packers for how they handled this. Every right. Even though I still don't buy the whole people, persons, paper people routine from Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And I'm surprised Alex Smith does. He knows how the business is. He right. knows how it goes. But Aaron Rodgers believed that he had transcended the usual treatment that the guy at the bottom of the roster gets. That's right. After what he's done for the team, how he's professed repeatedly that he wants to stay. And then they do this to him without the courtesy of a phone call and clearly set in motion a plan to supplant him with Jordan Love, a right. plan into which he threw a wrench by being the league MVP. And I suspect they, they hoped that that would be the reaction. The problem is now they can't trade him. How can you trade the reigning MVP? And it's got to play out for one more year. But I, I agree with a lot of what Alex Smith said. Definitely. And he's in a position to know what the feeling would be. And he got the phone call. That's the key. Right. That, that, that's the key. You know, that is the key. Honestly, I, I think it, you know, really is is a little extra powerful when a guy like Alex Smith kind of says what he says, though, because he's not the kind of guy to make a real blanket headline statement like that. So that shows you how it jumps out to him. One, I mean, I think he's saying it right. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying, Mike, the whole people thing, all of that. I, I think we know the analogy he was trying to make, even though it was a little weird or awkward or all that. But that's No, the, I don't know the analogy he was well, trying to make. I think he's just pandering to the fans. Well, maybe. To get them on his maybe. Side. I think either way, he's trying to tell you that he feels personally disrespected, that he was one of the people, the very important people, if not the most important person. And he felt like, how do you do this to me? You know, don't even tell me. No idea. And, you know, Alex Smith, there he is. He knows. He goes, well, I, I know I'm not the player Aaron Rodgers is, and my organization even told me. So that he's looking at that going crazy. Let alone, I think most quarterbacks around football also look at it and go, it's inexcusable. And I say that because I think most quarterbacks in football look at Aaron Rodgers and think he's a lot better than maybe the public even thinks that he is. That they look at him like, holy cow, how do you do that to that guy? The guy that's like unbelievable, unstoppable, and all of that. And that's where I think Alex Smith's you know statement has, has some power behind it. I have a thought that I want to run yeah. by you because Alex Smith said he was told multiple times what the Chiefs planned to do. There were no surprises. It was absolutely laid out for me. Right. And I think... That all helps when it's communicated. It does make a difference how you treat people. Here's my question. Yeah. Because the Chiefs clearly trusted Alex Smith to keep his mouth shut about what they were planning to do, something that no one knew they were planning to sure. do. And there was a small handful of coaches out there that wanted Patrick Mahomes, including the coach whose team picked at number 11, 
the New Orleans Saints. And lo and behold, the Chiefs cut the line in front of Sean Payton. Right. If someone had known what the Chiefs were thinking about doing, everything potentially changes. And, oh, hey, look at this. There's no one to supplant me. I say all that because could the explanation be as simple as this? The Packers didn't trust Aaron Rodgers with that knowledge. Could? Because he'd sabotage. Maybe. He'd he'd make sure someone knew the Packers want Jordan Love to try to keep them from getting Jordan Love. Yeah. Do you think that 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 may be? And if if Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst were forced to tell the truth, why didn't you do it? Are are you just completely inconsiderate? Are you dumb? Are you stupid? Do you just have no respect for Aaron Rodgers? Or were you afraid Aaron Rodgers was going to hatch a plan and implement that plan to make sure someone else knew about it so they'd get Jordan Love instead. Yeah, I, I listen, it's it's an interesting thought. I don't think it's like a crazy thought by any stretch of the imagination too. Maybe they're the, that that is, you know, part of what their strategic, you know, approach was to this. Usually with a decision like that, right? You and I both know it's like few people in the organization go. Listen, from all accounts, it, we it doesn't sound like Matt LaFleur had any idea they were going to draft Jordan Love. That they, he didn't know. So you're down to we're talking about with these type of decisions, two or three people within an organization that know actually what's going to be done. You know, so you can tell the quarterback and figure out if it does get out publicly who it came from. That would be an easy find. So that would be the risk you're playing as a player to do that type of thing. There's no doubt. And listen, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? Cut him? What I know you're right. Him? It's it's not not gonna do? cut him. Aaron, Aaron, did you? Aaron, did you tell anyone? I didn't tell anyone. Right. I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? No, you, they're not gonna do anything other than you know it's gonna ruin their relationship. I would guess, right? They're gonna look at him <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell? Already well, it's ruined. ruined already. already. I know. Same place. I know. Different path. But also within that, why I don't think the player would do that really either is. They're going to tell people. Those people are going to tell people to then where Aaron Rodgers is going to look like a real jerk because it's going to get out and now it's going to be like, whoa, Aaron Rodgers tried to sabotage the first round pick and all those type of things. That's where I would have a hard time believing the player would would do that, I guess. Not if the the player is smart, does it discreetly, and has a plan. You can do it in a way where there's no fingerprints. He's represented by David Dunn. He can get the word out through athletes first. You can get the word out. That there, but now it, it makes it a little awkward because athletes first also represents Jordan Love, but that's beside the point. I'm just wondering when I look at what Alex Smith had to say and the idea that the Chiefs did trust him with the most sensitive of information. That shows that gesture alone shows how much respect they have for him. When you are someone who is trusted with highly sensitive information. That there, there is in that gesture a message that you are someone who is important. You are someone who is part of the inner circle. You are someone who is being trusted. And, and you, you become less likely to violate that trust when you understand you're being entrusted with such important yeah, information. Yeah, that's right. And they didn't trust Aaron Rodgers with that information, which makes it even more of a slap in the face. It's not just, hey, we didn't tell Aaron Rodgers what was coming at a deeper level we didn't trust you to have that information and that's another reason why he may be upset and that's why he's saying it's about the people and the front office of football teams 
will from time to time, if not all the time, treat players like commodities. Sure. And there's and, and there's a line to that. And there are certain players who shouldn't be treated like that's commodities. Right. And Aaron Rodgers should not be treated like a commodity. And I think that that's really his message. He was treated exactly. like a commodity by the front office. And they wouldn't even trust him with the knowledge that they were going to make this move or even give him the courtesy of the heads up and explain to him why they were doing what they were doing. Yeah, I, I mean, l- listen, Mike, I, I don't think, you know, maybe you're onto something. Maybe that is part of it. I mean, do you know this or are you just theorize like a theory no, here? No, okay, no, all right, no, all right. This is, this, is because, just, this, is all, this is all happening as we speak. Well, th- th- this is one of the benefits of not preparing. You just sit down and you let it flow. <laughs> and as I look at those words, yeah. I... I, it just the light bulb went off. They trusted Alex Smith in Kansas City. They didn't trust Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to argue there. I don't know that. I think that's still speculative. You know, either no way. But who's going to who's going to admit to it? But, wait, wait a minute. You're right. Wait, no one is going to admit to let's, it. Let's let's call the Packers now. Shannon Sharp. No one's going to admit. I know, but it's also to, to, I, we I get didn't it. Trust Aaron Rodgers. It's yeah. all implied by the facts. It's circumstantial evidence. I know of it is. what they actually believe. Right. I I, I get that. I know we're never going to know. It's it would be a good excuse for them to say that to, if it's you know a good you know the the situation they're in is a debacle. That's a nice thing for them to be able to say. Well, we didn't really trust them. Oh, okay. All right. And listen, do you think that would make it better? Uh. I don't think it would make it much better. No, the fact that oh, what and it's not going to make it much worse. No, it's definitely not going to make it any better. No, it's not going to make it much better. And here, listen, I'll say this too. Like, again, you said it. Players are taught are, are, are commodities in the NFL. You don't. It, they don't have to tell Aaron Rodgers what they're doing in the draft and those type of things. They don't. I don't know. I want, I don't know. Did Tom Brady get a call that the Patriots are going to draft Jimmy Garoppolo and all of that? I don't know. But see, here's the difference, though. New England, like that's always the business. That's the way they go. It's team, 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 and Belichick, Belichick's king, king, king. And that's not the way it's set up in Green Bay. We know that. It's a little different that way. Where the quarterback is part of the, you know, the king, the hierarchy there in Green Bay has been for a while. That's been part of it. So that's where I also think it's a little different maybe than other organizations as well because they put so much weight into one guy all the time. That's where I think he gets into the people, the foundation, and all those things, whether they lied to him, didn't trust him, didn't tell him. And either way, they're all wrong to do to the guy who we know has carried your organization for the past you know, 11 or 12 years. Well, and, and, and I think we're touching on a deeper issue in an organization without – Yes. An owner. That's it. Aaron Rodgers is the highest paid and most important employee of the corporation. And I think it's always awkward when the people who are making the decisions Mm -hmm. about the most important and highest paid in a corporation are making less and far less important than the person about whom the decisions are being made. Yeah. Does that make any sense at I, all? There's I, no way Mark Murphy's making more than Aaron Rodgers. There's no way Brian Gutekunst is even within 30 million of what Aaron Rodgers is making. Yet these are the guys who are making the decisions about one of the great football players of all time. There's something awkward in all of that. When you don't have an owner who clearly 
becomes the most important and highest paid right, person right. in any football organization. Right. It's different than New England, right? You got Mr. Kraft, and then you got Bill, where who knows what he's making. We know he's the he's highest making, paid. But he's not making No, he's not making, making Brady or 30 or 40. He should. But the combination of those two set a hierarchy of going like, hey, it's Kraft, and then it's Belichick just right under him, and then here's the quarterback and the players and all of that. And I think that's – the hierarchy that, you know, we, we look at to be the most successful, to make the most sense, you know, seems to be the one that avoids situations like this maybe the most. That's where it gets back to the owner thing you bring up so much that, you know, I, I think there's real weight behind that and in, in some of these points. And you can't help but wonder when you start delving into these dynamics, is there an unspoken and possibly a subconscious resentment of Aaron Rodgers and have they had enough? Yeah. And you know, I he makes that. these little comments right. from time to time and right. he's always doing these passive aggressive things. And wouldn't we all be better off long term if we just had another quarterback? Things that may not even have to be spoken out loud. It just becomes understood between Murphy and Gutekunst. Man, this is just a pain in the ass. How much is our life going to change if we have to? We, at some point, we got to get a new quarterback anyway. Why don't we just go ahead and do it? I, again, it, it's 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 fascinating. It's almost Shakespearean when you consider all the personalities and forces at play here. And, hey, if they were trying, if their goal was to completely obliterate the relationship with Aaron Rodgers, bravo, you did it. Now, if you weren't trying, shame on you. But if you were trying to do it, it's as impressive a feat of a destruction of a relationship between a football front office and a player as yeah. I've ever seen. Chris. You're right. It is. It's up there with any I can remember. Certainly with this caliber caliber of player. You know, I don't know. You you'd maybe remember. Maybe you remember some back in the old days, but I can't remember like a star. I wasn't trying to be funny there. No, I was being no. serious. Okay, like maybe okay. in the '70s right. or something. I was not trying to be funny. I was being totally Back in serious. the old days. Well, the old back days. Back before electricity. Like, back before I was capable of knowing and remembering everything about football and the media. That's all I was talking about, okay? Don't get all sensitive on me, all right? That's all I was talking about. But, yeah, I'm with you. It's weird there. Also, I agree with you that, hey, Aaron Rodgers, as much as I love him, and you know I'm biased, and I think he's the man, I, I certainly can see how he could wear on people in an organization, I'm not that blind to it or blinded by his greatness and all that. Yeah, he's a pain in the butt. He wears on people who aren't in the organization. That's what I mean. He's a pain in the butt. You know, he is. He's obviously kind of an eccentric thinker and very deep that way. And, hey, maybe a little bit sensitive about what's said to him. And, yeah, you're right. There's been a lot of things there uh, that, that have been said that are cryptic-like, that they're probably like, oh, man, he's a handful. Man, the McCarthy thing. Man, LaFleur, we hire him, and now we got to talk about the audibles and do all that. Oh, it's, a, you know, I could see them being like, man, every year it's something. I, I do get that. But that's the price of, like, greatness most of the time. Like, really, what great players weren't a pain in the butt? Michael Jordan was a pain in the butt for the Bulls in the end of the 90s. A lot of these great players were throughout their history. Kind of what makes them great in a lot of ways. And then, of course, like we talk oh. about, they get a little power from the organization and it can kind of funnel out of control sometimes, too. And, and this example is an extreme one, but I thought of Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh because they tolerated him until they got to the point where they thought it's he's getting close to the end 
of his God-given physical ability to the point where it's worth tolerating. And I think that's what happened with the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers is 27 yeah. and Dominant stuff's happening and with the McCarthy, team, right. and, yeah. yeah, then you deal with it. Right. But the train is getting close to the station anyway. And, Chris, you, you said it yourself. You saw some slippage in 2019, even yeah. though they went 13-3 and three yeah. and made it to the NFC Championship. And, and, and look, Bill Belichick. What's he best known for when it comes to separating from players? Sure. Doing it a year early instead of a year too late. And he, look, the way it all happened, it convinced Aaron Rodgers they had a plan, and the plan consisted of throwing him overboard after the 2020 season. He believed that and still believes that. Yeah. And believes the only thing that saved him was his MVP season, right. which means that they're now waiting. They're going to throw him overboard after 2021 if he doesn't have another MVP season, and he's trying to short-circuit that process. That's it. It's that That's simple. It. Yep. That's the conclusion he's reached, and he's the one who's in a far better position to reach that conclusion than anyone on the outside. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I, you know, and, and a lot, even us on the outside, you, you could certainly make sense of the conclusion he might have made out of this whole thing. But, you know, again, I think that's where it really comes back to you. You laid it out perfectly, but yet – this guy wasn't, yes, I saw that slippage, but it still was, we're talking slippage from being absolutely the man at number one to now, whoa, Mahomes is, you know, he's passed you by and Russell Wilson's getting a little, like still we're talking slippage of he went to the top three or the top five, right? It's that way too. Right. And that's where the fine line of this dance has, you know, gotten the Green Bay Packers in trouble with Rodgers a little bit too here. Yeah, look, I think we're on the same page, yeah. and I think that we've we've handled the topic as well as we possibly can. Not that we've done it incredibly well, just as well as we individually, based on our own abilities, can do it. A.J. Brown, as Pete points out, it is a low bar. Uh, A.J. Brown, the Titans receiver, continuing to make an aggressive play Seriously. to get Julio Jones in Tennessee. Again, A.J. Brown, not the GM, not the coach, not the owner. That isn't stopping him from doing everything in his power to get Julio Jones' attention. Here's the latest pitch from the Titans receiver to get another Titans receiver in Tennessee. Okay, I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. You have 10 of you, Mr. Finger Roll himself, every time, Air Hill. Listen, he does what he needs to be done. Like, he's a leader. He's a great passer. He's it. Anyway, next. Him, behind me, superhuman. We don't even have to discuss him. He speaks for himself. Look how mean he look in the picture. Like, okay. Then me, I'm up and coming. Pro Bowl, year two. Not a big deal. Kind of a big deal, but not really. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, whatever. You, the GOAT of our era. The, of our receivers. Help me help you. Come home, Julio. Come home. I, hey, look. Well done. I, I, think that, I think that Julio's already sold on Atlanta. I, I think that A.J. Brown needs to direct his powers of persuasion to folks in the organization yeah, at right, this point. Right, right. Because I'm sold. I'm, I'm, I, I, I would buy anything from A.J. Brown. Well done. Great pitch uh, and uh, entertaining. So uh, I, I like it. I like it. And, and I won't be surprised if come next Wednesday, Julio Jones ends up playing for the Titans, Chris. I, 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 don't want, I won't either. You know, you, you know I, I said it earlier in the week that I had heard that that was certainly a team on his list. 
It is really well done by A.J. Brown. There's a need for that team. And I don't know, the more that this goes by and the fact that he kind of keeps like beating this the subject a little bit makes me believe that maybe, you know, Julio, he's found out from Julio that this, guy, that this team's on his list and kind of wants to go here. And maybe A.J. Brown's doing it to kind of put a little public pressure on the situation and get people behind it and Tennessee to, to maybe put John Robinson and Vrabel under some pressure to get it done. I don't know. That's and here's the other side of it. Hey, look, yeah, yeah. here's the other side of it, too. Uh, if Mike Vrabel had any issues with what A.J. Brown was doing, Mike Vrabel, the coach of the Titans, would have no hesitation You're when right. it comes to telling That's him, the point. stop doing that. That's the point. You're exactly right. If the first one was, yes, uncomfortable for the organization, you're right. Somebody would have reached out, and we wouldn't have saw a second one. So, yeah, they seem to be okay with it. And like we talked about, there's a, a real scheme fit, a need for that other guy. You know, Josh Reynolds, you see there, they got him this past offseason from the Rams in free agency. He's going to be great in a lot of ways, but he's a number three receiver. He's not your guy, at least in my opinion, that you want to be your number two. Uh, not with like this Super Bowl caliber team and the way they play with running the ball and all those type of things either. So that's where it really makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that happen next week. And at tight end, as Chris Berman would probably not say, Anthony, who the Ferkser is that guy? <laughs> so they could use all. Sorry, I sorry, Anthony. I, I I didn't mean anything by it. I just couldn't resist it. Probably not the first time he's heard it. Not exactly the high end on the comedic scale. It's very very very. Low-hanging fruit. Trevor Lawrence, first pick in the draft. Had a chance to talk to him for about 10 minutes yesterday. He was doing a thing with Gatorade, the National High School Player of the Year. I asked him about that shoulder, the non-throwing shoulder, left shoulder, had the surgery. At rookie minicamp, he was on a pitch count of 30 to 40 throws post-warm-up. I asked him where he is now, just about a week and a half after that rookie minicamp. Here's Trevor Lawrence from yesterday. We've increased it. Um, I'm trying to think of the exact numbers. We're probably around, we're probably around 60 a day right now, and we typically practice, you know, three four days a week. So, do the math. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I can't do that quick in my head. However many per week. So, we went up a little bit. We progressed, and I'm feeling really good, getting back in good shape throwing wise, and we're making good progress. You know, there's there's not many things that I can't do. There's a few things that we're just not doing right now, just to be cautious, but. You know, I'd imagine in the next couple of weeks I'll be let loose pretty much. Sounds like everything's going well with yeah. that shoulder. Remember we showed the the B-roll, the footage from the rookie minicamp where it kind of looked like maybe he he's holding it, that, he that left it tight. arm a little tight. Right, agreed. Yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. what he was doing, but, though. He's trying to, like, limit yeah. the amount of, like, wear and tear with it and keep it in there so you don't, you know, kind of jerk it out of there or swing it out of there as you really aggressively rotate. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's good eye by you. He's getting to the point, though, where he is closer and closer to 100%. No reason to think he won't be ready to go week one. No reason to think he won't be ready to go when training camp opens. And and by the way, by the way, I had never talked to Trevor Lawrence before. Yeah. I think he's awesome. Seems I, like I really him. do. He's my, he's my new favorite quarterback who was drafted by a team in Florida. How about that? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. I like that. But, yeah, that, that's uh, – well, it almost – did you get – it almost goes back to, you know, the whole, like, does he have enough of a chip on his shoulder conversation and all that? Like, yeah, he's a great kid. 
There's nothing to ever really speak negative about him to this point. So he wait, shouldn't. wait, wait. You can be you can be a great kid in an interview setting. It's not like you have to be surly. No, I know. You, you can you can I, still but I'm, like I'm, Russell Wilson comes off as a great guy, and I'm sure he's got a chip on his shoulder about plenty of things. Well, yeah, but see, there was something there. He looks at it and goes, "I don't think I was a third round pick." There was something there substantial. Trevor Lawrence That's hasn't true. had that yet. But either way, I, I mean, I, I I think he is you know handles himself awesome. He could see he's very confident in his abilities, even with the praise he gave to Zach Wilson during his workout and some of the throws, right? He sent out that one Instagram thing of like sheesh with that one throw Zach Wilson made. To me, that shows tremendous self-confidence, and that's why the kid is uh, the number one pick and going to be a star in the NFL. You either didn't get my line about Trevor Lawrence being my new favorite quarterback who was drafted by a team in Florida, or you didn't think it was funny. New favorite quarterback tell. drafted by a team in Florida. Right. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. didn't think it was yeah. that funny. Right. I mean, there's two. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I guess, I guess, am I missing something? Yeah. You were drafted by a team in Florida. Oh, well, yeah, I thought we, I was point. thinking currently. Okay, yes. No, okay. no, I mean Thank ever. You. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. He has I supplanted that. you. That's oh. my. That was my point. I'm I got sorry it that it was Woo! too subtle for you hey. to grasp. Yes, all right. So, I know. I uh, was thinking of Tua and Kyle Trask, and I was like, yeah, whoop de doo That's real funny. Okay, no, ever <laughs> all time. Right. Okay, yeah. All I right. thought. I thought that. I thought you would have at least given me a little courtesy something. Uh, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Here's all right. a courtesy. Uh, uh, you're a jerk. We know that. <laughs> Tim Tebow was not drafted by a team in Florida, but he's since been signed by a team in Florida to play tight end. Here's my little snippet of a conversation with Trevor Lawrence about a new teammate who, in some respects, overshadowed Trevor Lawrence's arrival in Jacksonville. Funny, we, we were sitting there in the facility eating lunch um, up above, like uh, kind of in the stadium, and it pops up on the big jumbotron. Hey, breaking news, Tim Tebow signed with Jacksonville. So we, we, we knew that this was a possibility just from what we've seen, but we weren't sure. And that was the first time I met him was last week, and we've had three practices together now. He's been great. What's been your impression of him as a tight end? Because this is as brand new for him as it is for you in the NFL as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's in uh, – what I can say is he's in great shape. You can tell he's been working, getting ready for, for an opportunity if he gets one. And um, you, like I said, you can tell he's ready. He's really smart. I think that it helps that he played quarterback for a number of years and learned a few different systems. So – now learning a new system at tight end is probably a little bit less as far as the learning curve, just because he's just learning the tight end position now. So um, he's great from that standpoint. I think just what he brings to the team, that's just a guy you want to be around. Great character, uh, super hard worker, just does things the right way. Uh, and those are the first, you know, initial impressions for me. Doesn't sound like the usual 90th man on the roster. Chris, that's for damn sure. Nothing not. about it he's has. Not. No, he's not. No, I mean that that it's just you accept the fact that yeah. he's not. And by the way, I think today the Jaguars have media availability at their OTAs. I, I've seen that they're not making Tebow available for anything until training camp, and because of the COVID rules and they don't have the open locker rooms yet, it, it's not like anyone can go up to him and say, "Hey, Tim, let's let's talk." So they're 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 trying their damnedest yeah. to contain this thing, but the reality is, once you sign him, it's inherently 
uncontained because, as we've said, Fanatics exercises its prerogative immediately to start selling jerseys. And, oh, lo and behold, not just the top-selling jersey, but the top five items at NFLShop.com or Tebow. So they're not going to be able to keep this genie in the bottle. And even though Trevor Lawrence spent time yesterday talking to me and others over the past two days as he did this Gatorade media tour, he's going to get asked about Tebow today by reporters. Urban Meyer is going to get asked about Tebow. Anybody who is made available to talk to the media today will be asked at least one Tim Tebow question. I, I, I haven't heard anything out of Jacksonville in a week other than Tim Tebow. Nothing. There, there's nobody else on the team. There's nobody there. It's the sixth day in a row I've seen Trevor Lawrence with his name attached to talking about Tim Tebow. He's, this is where it would concern me. Now, like, Trevor Lawrence is young, and when Tim Tebow was in his prime, he was a really young kid, and, you know, he probably in a lot of ways thinks it's cool, but it's going to be the veterans. Again, that's the ones that are going to look at it, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, training camp is going to be even more than that, certainly. So that's where they're, they're going to have to deal with it. I don't know what else to say, but – Yes, get used to it. There, there's not Trevor Lawrence has never. He's not going to have one press conference where he talks to the media from now to the end of training camp, where he's not going to answer one question about Tim Tebow. That's just going to be a part of the reality for everybody on the football team. Defensive tackles, first round corners. It's going to be, hey, what is your impressions of Tebow? What is he like in the locker? That's all they're going to have to talk about. And that's where you know, again, it's not like a game breaker. But it's going to get on people's nerves, and that's where I wouldn't have messed with it if I was Urban Meyer. And if I was in the local media pool covering the Jaguars and they weren't going to make Tim Tebow available, I guarantee you I'd ask everyone who is available about Tim Tebow. Because hey, you're not going to make Tebow available? Right. We're going to get the information. Exactly. we got to write Tebow stories. Yep. Our editors want Tebow stories, right. and you're not making Tebow available, so we're going to ask everybody who talks a Tebow question. I suspect that, that that mindset will apply. And it should because they, they kind of should. if he's on the team, you should make him That's, available. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't kind of say, well, he's just the 90th guy on the roster. He can't just be the 90th guy on the roster when it comes to who you're making available to the media. You know it. We know it. Everyone knows it. This guy's different than the 90th guy on the roster, and uh, we'll see if he ends up being the 53rd guy on the roster when September rolls around. All right, let's take a break. Some... League-related news coming from May meetings held by owners, a change to the blocking rules, some COVID news, and also a strange announcement about the salary cap that I'm still trying to process. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. 
Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, the NFL League meetings happened virtually again Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Some more enticements for those who choose to be fully vaccinated. What they're doing is, instead of telling the players thou shalt be vaccinated because they can't and the union will never agree to that because there would be an uproar from the players who refuse to be vaccinated, they are providing a carrot instead of a stick. And the thinking is, the hope is, that as more and more players see how different it is for those who have been vaccinated, they will decide to go ahead and have the Bill Gates microchips injected into their body. Uh, How about this? For years now, the NFL has gone straight from the 90-man roster to the 53-man roster on Labor Day weekend. Saturday of Labor Day weekend, for me, each of the past, I don't know how many years, has been all about the final cuts. And it is frenetic. It is crazy. And it is an invigorating day that sets up the start of the season. Now they've changed it. They're going to cut from 90 to 85 on August 17. 85 to 80 on August 24, and then a week after that, August 31, they cut to 53. So it's more gradual like it used to be, and also it's a Tuesday this year, not a Saturday, not the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. So as somebody who covers the sport for a living, thank you, NFL, for giving me my Labor Day weekend back. I can now actually do something that day. And this is a direct result, Chris, of the fourth preseason game going away. Sure. Because now you can go ahead and cut your roster. You don't need to keep a bunch of cannon fodder around for that fourth preseason game. You can go ahead and clear it out. That fourth preseason game is now a bye week, basically, for uh, for the NFL. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I understand it. I like the rule change, too, just as a player and that aspect of it to the fact that where, you know, we both know – that in those situations, so much of the time, you know, sometimes guys are held on for the just in case this happens or what if scenario in training camp. And maybe now some of those guys get out on the market a little bit earlier to where now they can find a team that maybe has a need for that position. But this team's been holding on to this guy and doing that. So that's where I think it could be good for the players, too, uh, in, in this scenario. Um, and uh, and and. I thought of that last segment when we were talking about Tim Tebow because, you know, now instead of waiting for the one fell swoop, he's going to have to sweat it out three times. Is And, and I don't think it's going to come to that. Look, if, if he's not going to make the roster or the practice squad, yeah, they're going to make that decision early in training camp, so, right. and he's going to retire and, I predict, accept some sort of a job with the team. That's that's. Part of the benefit of being good friends slash almost family members with the head coach. Right. He won't get the he won't get the coach wants to see you bring your playbook. He'll get the hey hey Tim let's go let's go uh, let's go have lunch uh, and talk through some things. And by the end of that lunch, Tim will retire and Tim will have a job with the team. That's my prediction. If 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 yeah. 
he's going to be on the outside looking in. Right. Yeah, I would think so, too. That He's not the kind of guy you, yeah, if you know you're going to cut him, you want to keep him around so he can continue to be a distraction and put more pressure on the situation to whether he's going to be on the roster or take somebody's spot. So uh, I, I kind of see that the, the same way you do. The NFL also has agreed with the union to create a salary cap ceiling for next year of $208.2 million. That doesn't mean that's what the cap's going to be. It means the cap will be no higher than that. And this is part of the effort to allow the teams to make back the money that was lost in 2020 because the players lost nothing. The players got their full salary, 100 cents on the dollar for last year, even though fans weren't present. So the depressed salary cap this year is part of the effort to make back the money that would have been lost by the players last year because it was and now again you can you can play hardball under the cba but at the end of the day the nfl could have and would have had a much lower salary cap this year if the players had played hardball it would have hurt the teams but it also would have hurt the players i don't understand and i'm trying to find out why they feel compelled now to agree to the salary cap ceiling for next year it doesn't matter salary cap's going to be what it's going to be why are we setting an upper limit on it for next year so when I know that answer, I'll write something about it at PFT. I'm just confused by this whole thing. And I can't help but feel like this is just part of the, the positivity, speaking things into existence. Everything's back. Everything's normal. Hey, look at this. Next year, the salary cap's going to be normal again. Everything's normal. We're going to have fans. We got this. It's normal, 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 normal. I just feel like this is kind of something that's been caught up in this push to create a sense that things are normal again. Yeah, it may, it may be, or, you know, just a, a I, I don't know. I guess basically, like you're saying, a measure by the owners just to kind of protect themselves, to maybe keep themselves out of the red and, you know, in the black as far as, you know, you know gross net or whatever it is. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. But, yeah, it, it does seem a little peculiar that it's like this time of the year, this is popping up right now. And it's very rare that we kind of hear that, that type of thing, but I, I don't really understand it either, Mike. Why, why would they they do that? I can't really think of the what if scenario that that you know bothers this issue or anything like that. Yeah, I I, I just I, I I'm going to try to find out. And you know, a lot of times when I start asking questions, I don't get answers right away. That tells me that my instincts are are probably right. That that, that there's just something about it that. It's just it seems odd to me, and it is odd under the straight definition of the term odd. Well, it's odd. Maybe this never happens. This never happens. You never set a salary cap absolute limit before the season even begins, when it's time to figure out how much money comes through the through the doors. And now that they know that they're going to have 100 percent capacity at these stadiums, they they have a much better feel for how much money they're going to make. That's so why I, I would think they did it right. Maybe that's that's, yeah. that's it. They just want to go like, listen, we know it's going to be full and things are going to be good. And maybe we just don't want the NFLPA to take the quite the piece of the pie that they usually do because of, you know, years past, like you mentioned. And maybe that's really all it's about. So, and this is a great opportunity to get some concessions in return, like league-wide relaxations to the OTA standards. But uh, mm. that's a different issue altogether. Would it, would it, I mean, in th the, the, and see, people think that you only have negotiations between league and union whenever you do a full-blown CBA. The reality is there's always something to negotiate. It always comes up. And and I'm being, I'm being a smartass here. The union's doing a nice job of creating leverage and creating change without sitting right. down and negotiating it. And they're what they're doing is 
they're devaluing the voluntary workout program so that when the league tries to offer changes to it as an inducement to go to 18 games, for example, it doesn't carry as much weight because it will have been chipped away right. by the various teams. And so that part of it is working. Um, how about this? NFL has changed the low block rules. And I, I had this explained to me several years ago by Rich McKay. You know, the, the, the block below the waist has always been a recognition of the fact that there are large guys on a football field and there are smaller guys on a football field. And the smaller guy needs a way to put the big guy on his ass. That's not Rich's quote. That's mine. So the block below the waist, taking out his knees, is the way to put big guy on the ground. Sure. If I had to block you, I'm going straight for your knees. Right. Or, right? or yes, or it's the even. You can even say the very opposite of like the really big guy in space. Right? He's out on the edge, and it's a small DB, and he knows he can't like just stay with them and block them and do all that. So let me just dive and really spread my body. And now that guy, I have more room for error as far as I don't have to be exact on my launch point and all those type of things. So it's both ways, Mike, there. And I think we have some examples to, to show these new blocks that are now well, outlawed. And, and the rule is now that low blocks outside the tight end box are prohibited. I like so it. So if Look. you have... A pulling guard out here. It's dangerous. Leading the way for a running play, diving at the knees. Yeah, look, his leg gets caught in the field turf, and uh, he's got a hurt ankle. Yes. Right, so that's yeah. why or, it's Or good. you get the torn ACL. Right. Here's another example of what is now prohibited. Again, you get outside the tackle box, the tight end box, and you start diving low. That's now gone. And they've been whittling away. You know, one of the reactions, there, there's a wide receiver on the yeah, outside. Again, it's outside there. the tight end box. You can't do it. Right. Um, okay, so th this is a reaction to the criticism of the league for being so obsessed with concussions that they didn't care about orthopedic injuries like knee injuries. So the health and safety that we have seen the league become much more sensitive to has morphed beyond above the neck, and it's now getting down to below the waist. Because remember, there, there was the talk for a while that – Receivers would say, I'd rather you hit me high than hit me low. Right. I'll take a concussion over a torn ACL. Right. And and not not that that hit has been taken out of the game when it comes to tackling someone, but they're 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 moving the game away from any action below the waist. And who knows? Maybe at some point there will be no action allowed below the waist and the big guys will be shoving the little guys all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this rule change. I do. I think there was, you know, real merit to it. Here, here's one thing I want to ask that I'm not even sure about. Maybe Pete or Mike, you could answer this. What about that last clip we showed there? If the, if the lineman is out on the edge, right, and the DB dives at his legs to take on that blocker, that's, that's also illegal, right? I just wanted to also make sure illegal. I had that 100%. But, yeah. like – that does a double whammy. It takes care of two things there, Mike. And here's the last example that we're talking about that I was talking about. It's a double whammy. It takes away the torn ACL for the offensive lineman, and it takes away a concussion from a knee to the head for the defensive guy. So it makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. It's a reckless play that's very dangerous, in my opinion. It's not only the guy who has a big offensive lineman diving at his knees that's, of course, in great danger, but what happens on so many of those plays, too, when you look at it as, what if, okay, now that lineman's out on the edge. He's got one guy he wants to block, but there's three or two or three other guys standing around right in that area. So now he lays out to get that guy, 
and it can become like a bowling ball hitting pins to where now maybe another guy who was right there, he's kind of looking at a receiver or covering him, and now that diving offensive lineman missed the guy he was supposed to block and hits the guy who is covering the receiver and doesn't see it. So there's lots of consequences to these plays, and that's where I think it's, it's good. Uh, it's an advantage for the defense. I do think that. I will say that much, but I think it's well, good for the sport. Well, I mean, we're showing examples where both offensive and defensive players have lost tools from their toolbox right. as to what they can do on these edge runs. It's it's not going to apply for the inside runs. It's yes. going to apply on the outside runs. Does that result in fewer outside runs if you don't have these techniques and tactics to spring a guy, Chris? I, I think it's going to, you know, it's going to make you think twice about who you got out on the edge leading your running back or somebody like that. I think that's where it's going to get – you know, a little bit of a different thought process. It, it will change in the fact that where I think maybe because of this rule, you might not see as many on the edge 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown runs now because now that that lineman has to stand up and really actually block a Darius Leonard in space who's going to be more athletic and quicker than he is, you know, and he can't just dive at him and do all that. I think, therefore, you're going to see Darius Leonard make that tackle more often than not than he would have, for, for lack of a better example, to put it that way. And, yes, yes, I think you're going to be more, oh, wait, this guard is more athletic than the other guard. Let's do that. Or let's pull our H-back or our tight end maybe instead of the guard to make up for it, the, the, the lack of being able to block in space. So I think that's the effects it could have on the offensive side at least. So is this the kind of rule that your guy Kyle Shanahan is going to find even more annoying than a PFT headline? I, I yeah, you know what? You're you're right. It's going to annoy the really good running teams. Like I would think the Ravens and the 49ers and teams like that are a little bit like, "Ah, man, I know how to teach this and we're really good at getting guys on the edge to take out a guy on the edge to, to stop the run and, and make it a big play. I, I do think it it hurts a team like that more than it does the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's just say that much. Shouldn't that be a March rule change? Shouldn't you have more time to get? I would agree with your, that. Your your game plans and your playbooks ready to react to it and teach it. You're in OTAs now, and all of a sudden they're going to show up today and say, "Hey guys, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we got to. You know the. You know what we did the last few days. Forget about. Forget about this. 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 And this. Those plays are now gone. Uh, we, we're gonna we get, we're gonna come up with something new, and uh, we'll get back to you on that. I, I just feel like it's probably something that should have been done. Yeah, should have been done earlier, not later in the off season. Speaking of late, we're over. Let's take a break. When we return, one of the best ever at his position has announced his retirement after a full year out of football. We'll talk about that next year on PFT Live. Six nothing. New England with just under six minutes remaining in this opening quarter. And here's Herschel Walker. Oh, he found the opening, but Atari is back. Walker inside the 40. It is a foot race, but Atari diving to hold him down. Oh, the kicker ran him down, Mark. Watch Vinatieri at the very end of this, just muscling room for Herschel Walker to find it. And now, actually, Vinatieri doesn't even have the angle on him, Randy. Closing speed. I never use the term closing yes. speed with a kicker. I'm putting him on my fantasy football team tonight. <laughs> wow, Adam Vinatieri tracking down Herschel Walker with Marv Albert on the call. That's crazy. 
I never understood the shoulder pads Herschel Walker wore. Well, I, I yeah. had forgotten about those. My God, how do you have any flexibility? How do you have any moves? How do you? How do you? I, it just—he looked so uncomfortable in those shoulder pads, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I, in that whole era. I mean, think about that whole era. Everybody's wearing these like gigantic shoulder pads and doing that. You know, it was just a little bit more protection. Now that the shoulder pads have become so much more technologically superior. It's amazing what they are now as compared to even when I was in high school in my early years of college football. Now they're ju just as strong or stronger with being, you know, a third of the size, a quarter of the size, a quarter of the weight, which allows the players to be even faster and throw their bodies around more aggressively and all those things. And those are the reasons why you, you hear about the game being more violent now maybe than then but yeah those things are gigantic and wait i it, it it's actually it just reminds you how old adam venateri is the fact yes. that he was playing against herschel walker i was like what wait what are we showing here i couldn't quite figure it out at first and venateri actually played for the colts longer than he played for the patriots i always think of him though as a patriot yeah. because he had the huge kicks with new england each of the three field goals they won during his time there, they won by three points. And obviously the snow globe game with the tuck rule, he made the 45-yard line drive to tie it up and force overtime and then made the game winner in overtime. Rick Cordella, who is uh, one of the executives at Peacock and used to be in charge of NBCSports.com, sent me last night a, a photo of the the image on the screen as Vinatieri was getting ready to kick that field goal, and it said at the bottom, has missed four of his last five field goal attempts. That's amazing. You, you can't, there it is. There it is. You can't help but wonder if he misses this kick, what it does to his career. Right. Because then it's five of six, and the Patriots season's over. Do they find a new kicker for 2002? Yeah, that's a very good question. But, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's the story of so many great players where it was like, oh, there's just this one tipping point that launched them into greatness. But I think that is part of his greatness right there, though. Like, just his ability to handle pressure regardless. Oh, I've missed these field goals. This one's to win it and go to the AFC championship game. You know, even remember the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers and that Super Bowl. I believe he had like two missed field goals early on in the game, but late in the game. Oh, it's a 41 yard attempt. 29, 29. I mean, there was no doubt. I was sitting in the stands this day. I was just going, there's no doubt. It's going right through, and the Patriots are world champions. So you just, you never doubted it in these moments. And really, until like two years ago, I don't, I can't even remember like Adam Vinatieri coming off the field, disappointed he missed a big field goal. I feel like it never happened to the guy. Yeah. And in 2019, he did struggle. And I remember there was a, a question were they even going to cut him loose? Was he right. going to retire during the season? He, he's a, he's a, an important leader in a locker room because he's transcended that position because he's meant so much to so many teams and he didn't play in 2020. And there was a story yesterday. I think that he had, he had maybe kicked around the idea of coming back. No pun intended at all. Cause it would have been a horrible one. And then he told Pat McAfee yesterday that uh, he's retiring. And I, uh, this is the first kicker or punter that I can recall who from the moment of retirement, it's a no-brainer he's getting in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think... I don't know that he gets in in five years or four years now since he didn't play in 2020, but it's a no-brainer the guy's getting in. No-brainer. No I mean, I, yeah, it goes in as yeah, one of the greatest kickers of all time, the most clutch kicker of all time.
and I feel like this is the only kicker slash punter I can remember that has retired or made an announcement like this, and it's kind of treated like he's a real NFL star football player. I don't mean that yes. to be silly or disrespectful, but no, like you're right, right, right. Like it's a real, like it's a linebacker or a pass rusher or a quarterback. I mean, that's where he's different. He's been such a part of our our history and and football here for so long. Really awesome career to him, and congrats on the retirement. Yeah, you've got Bill Belichick issuing a statement, Robert Kraft issuing a statement. I mean, yeah, th this is a guy who. Uh, was just different than the other kickers and uh, and will end up in Canton, and maybe he'll get there on the first ballot. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Tonga Vailoa met with reporters yesterday and had fairly candid admission on what he didn't know during his rookie year in the NFL. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.